Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, March 12, 2018, episode number 28. This is Tom from Washington, D.C., and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The NFL came out of the starting gate like a human version of the Kentucky Derby this weekend. There were a ton of cuts, a ton of trades with teams trying to set themselves up for free agency. The sweepstakes, sweepstakes would start on Wednesday. It was kind of crazy seeing some of these former stars and current stars have been let loose among them, DeMarco Murray, Richard Sherman, and Martellus Bennett. Mm-hmm. So March 14th is a big day. A number of things happened. Number one, all 2017 player contracts expire at 4 p.m. New York time, Eastern. Big day. And it's also when the top 21 begins. That's when all clubs have to be under the 2018 salary cap. Uh, they have to exercise the options on any 2018 for 2018 on any players that have that kind of option in their 2017 contracts. And they have to submit qualifying offers to their restricted free agents. And finally, when the bell rings 4 p.m., free agency begins. Okay, so we basically have a lot of action on the way. We have between today, which is Tuesday when this thing comes out, Today and tomorrow at 4 p.m. for the Steelers to get under that salary cap, which they're inching closer towards doing and locking up some of their guys before the madness begins. As you referred to earlier, there have already been some exciting moves that have happened with some star guys like Bennett and Sherman and uh, Murray. Kind of, I don't want to say aging stars, but guys who have passed their prime who are moving on, you know, big names. But the real juicy stuff is going to start in uh, the next few days, and hopefully we'll see the Steelers landing at least a safety or linebacker within that time. But before then, they got some business to take care of, and they got to get under that cap. So under headlines, we have a number of interesting items related to the Steelers, I mean, having to do with the Steelers uh, precisely or related to the Steelers, starting with free agency. Yeah, so like we said, the Steelers got to get under the cap, and we've told you all offseason there's some veterans who are liable to be cut. I mean, pretty much everybody in the world knows the list, and it's already started. I need to give the special shout-out to big play Willie Gay, who is his tenure with the Steelers is over. He sent a very nice Instagram post saying it's time to turn it over for the Young Bucks. He loved his time in Pittsburgh. He understands how it goes, but he does want to continue his career, so he's going to try and get a job somewhere else. I feel like he'll be able to get something. So Willie Gay got released on Monday. What were you going to say? Uh, I just like a moment of silence. Very hard for me to let go. It is. Okay. 
Thank you, big play, Willie Gable. Missed the celebrations and the pick sixes. Uh, B, so since we talked to you last, the big rumor came true. Starting safety Mike Mitchell was released. Many Steelers fans rejoice about that. Um, it makes sense to, 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 to mostly everybody, but I don't think that everybody realizes exactly how valuable he was to the Steelers. And this was to be expected. He had one of the larger salaries. He either frees up like 5 or $8 million um, on the cap so we can make some moves. But, man, that defense was bad already, and this was one of your most solid guys. So you're either going to have to find some way to scrounge up some pennies to get one of these free agents, or you're going to have to hit in the first round and get your guy. Or J.J. Wilcox steps into the breach, shows us what he's made of. I think he Please, got all Scott. his bad plays out of his system last season. Yeah, so J. J. surprisingly, Wilcox. it looks like J.J. Wilcox might be retained. So J.J. Wilcox is the backup. Well, he's like the fourth or fifth string safety for anybody who's keeping track. And the Steelers reportedly want to bring him back on a lower deal and say that he might have a chance for more playing time. I don't buy that for a second. I think that he's just a depth guy. They don't want to lose everybody. But basically, with Mike Mitchell being released, a fire is lit under the Steelers. They got to get a good free agent to plug in there right away. Or they got to nail it in the draft. So think about this, though. By the way, Mike Mitchell, very underappreciated in his time as, as a Steeler, um, was part of a lot of horrible defenses where he was one of the only solid guys there. But basically what happened to him is injuries have caught up to the guy, and he his price tag is just too high. So he he's not as good as how much they pay him at this point. But – he leaves a vacancy in terms of the center fielder role. So for anybody who doesn't know, you know, safeties, free safety and strong safety, they're more or less interchangeable in today's NFL. But still, at the end of the day, you, you like to have one guy who plays in the back center field, doesn't let anything behind him, tries to get those picks. That was Mike Mitchell's role. Obviously, barely got any interceptions. And then Sean Davis's role was to go up, support the run, miss tackles, and get run over by tight ends. So the rumor is... They're actually trying to switch Sean Davis to the Mike Mitchell role um, because they say Sean Davis has better range. When you play center field in the back there, you want to have speed to be able to get to sideline to sideline. They say that's one of Sean Davis' strengths, but we don't know if this is true or not. And he needs to where they decided when he gets there. I'm sorry. Just needed to point that out. Sean Davis, yeah, he's a liability everywhere because if you're the center fielder, you're also the last line of defense to make a tackle. If you guys remember the Tim Tebow game in the playoffs when we lost to freaking Tim Tebow in Denver, Ryan Mundy was the starting safety that game. He was playing for the great Ryan Clark, who had a blood condition which made it so that he couldn't play when we played at Denver. And Tim Tebow hits Demarius Thomas on a slant. It was like a post route in overtime. And crappy Ryan Mundy misses the tackle as the last line of defense. And uh, there you go. You're out of the playoffs. So hopefully Sean Davis ends up being better than Ryan Mundy. But whether they decide him to put Sean Davis at center field or strong safety, that's going to determine what type of safety you're going to want because you're going to need to fill that other role, right? So the coming weeks with free agency will, will tell us a little bit about the Steelman plans. So, that. interestingly and happily, uh, Boswell was signed a second-round tender. So, yes. we'll be looking at a longer-term deal later this summer. Yeah, basically what a second-round tender means is they signed Chris Boswell, amazing field goal kicker, extraordinaire, game winner, the Michael Jordan of field goal kickers. He has been called many times by me. 
they signed him basically like to a $2 million deal or something where other teams can have the opportunity to match or like to exceed that deal. And if the Steelers um, were outbid, let's say the Giants really wanted Chris Boswell, they could bid like, well, we're going to give you $3 million. And the Steelers could either say, all right, we'll match that $3 million and we get to keep them. Or they say, all right, you can you can have them. We're not going to pay that much. And the Steelers, in return, would get a second-round compensatory pick. That's what second-round tender means. But obviously, Steelers aren't letting Chris Boswell go anywhere. When was the last so, time a kicker was brought in in a second round or better? I don't know. Recent, I mean, in the last three years, a kicker was wait, drafted. Oh, yeah. One of the worst kickers we've seen. Aguayo or whatever. Yeah. I feel bad for that guy. He was a... He was a first or second rounder. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. And he just flamed out with the Bucks and Take got note. a trial with the Bears and immediately missed the field goals there. You got to feel bad for that guy. Head case. But you know who's a lot better than Robert Aguayo? Chris Boswell. Here's a little stat for you guys out there. The Boz man, the Wizard of Boz, has converted 89.5% of his field goals, basically 90%. So he's one of four kickers in the history of professional football to ever hit this mark within the first three years of his career. So he not only is really accurate, but we remember all the games he's literally won single-handedly. He's beat the Bengals and the Chiefs in games where we only scored field goals. So I'm sure they'll lock him up later this season. I was just looking up... Well, uh, summer, I mean. I was just looking up Michael Jordan's lifetime free throw percentage. Who do you think? Uh, you think it's Boz or you think it's Jordan? I, I it's think Boz. Uh, I bet 89. Let's let's guess. 83.5. So Boz beats Jordan. Yeah, so Boz is better than Jordan. your characterization of Chris Boswell. All right, so Michael Jordan is generously the Chris Boswell of the NBA. Anyways, moving on. Another piece of information, another old guy who got released is Lawrence Timmons, former Steelers, great Steelers linebacker for 10 years. Mike Tomlin's first draft pick. We all know the story behind Timmons. Vince Williams stepped into his starting position this year to mixed results. But Timmons had a dramatic season in Miami. Obviously, he went AWOL before one of the first games, um, which actually turned out to be a blessing for the Miami Dolphins because that made him forfeit any guaranteed money he had, made him cuttable this year. And a lot of Steelers fans are clamoring for the Steelers to pick Timmons back up. But this cannot happen. Because he didn't get cut from Miami because he went AWOL. He got cut because he's he's lost a couple steps here. And the last thing we need is another slow linebacker like Vince, as much as we love him. And that's what Timmons is. And apparently his relationship with Tomlin might be on the fritz a little bit. So that's kind of less important to me than the fact that he's probably too slow to play. But you never know. If he takes the veteran minimum, he could be a good depth guy. So what's a week without Bell Watch? What's going oh, on with Le'Veon? So we got to talk about it. It's the biggest story in the NFL, but we won't bore you too long this week with it. I, I've just tortured myself in my own thought process and my guilt about sometimes I get angry at him and then you realize, no, no, they, he's just taking the most of an opportunity. You can't get mad at the guy at all. So I just wanted to apologize for my behavior from last week. But right after we put out this episode last week, of course – a bunch of Le'Veon news comes out. He held an Instagram Live pseudo-press conference so he could let the fans ask him anything that they were wondering about this whole situation. And long story short, some big things that came out of that were that he said he would not hold out. 
until week four or week 10. He would actually be there week one. It's just going to be a quote-unquote a rerun of 2017. And uh, you could tell that he wants to play the games, get the stats, make that money. Because like we said before, he loses about a million dollars per game if he, if he misses any games, right? He went on to contradict himself a number of times in that <laughs> self-interview saying, but maybe I will be there t- week four. Or maybe I will be there week 10. It just depends on how I feel. But it's genius. It, it kind of – yeah, it, it sort of seems like he's pointing in the direction um, of being there week one. And he did reiterate again that the Steelers are closer than ever to a deal. Most people think it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to be another franchise tag for Le'Veon. But we have till July 14th to find that out. And there's still some people with optimism out there. So I may be foolishly. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm still trying to find the moron on my Twitter feed who's saying that Le'Veon's just greedy. Yeah, that's idiotic. It's idiotic when you but let's look at the can we start with the Listen owners? To it. Here here's here's just yes, yeah, seriously, with the owners who are making billions of dollars. Now, just take this one example to think about what Le'Veon is doing, right? So people want him to take a hometown discount for the Steelers, right? Well, I hope he takes a he he makes a fair salary, you know, because there's someone out there who paying him an egregious amount of money, but I still think the Steelers could pay him a good amount of money. But you want this guy to just take a hometown discount? Well, think about it this way. If he had a four-year deal for the Steelers and he's turning 31 or something like that, and in his last year of the deal or second to last year of the deal, his play falls off. The Steelers aren't going to hometown deal him. They're going to cut him. Like they cut James Harrison and they cut all kinds of players. Troy Polamalu, Heinz Ward. That's not how the business works. So that's a double standard if you if you don't want Le'Veon Bell to take advantage of the one opportunity he has in his career to really control his financial gain. I mean, on, moron. yeah, that's it's ridiculous. Hopefully they can find somewhere fair that's in the middle. He did say in his self interview that he um, even the number he's asking for from the Steelers, he feels like that's a number he's settling for. And he's settling on that because he does want to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, I do believe that he, he does want to stay, but hopefully they can both find something that works. I mean, the Steelers only have so much money to give. So the tsunami that is the Cleveland Browns, it feels like the water's washing back rapidly as they rebuild and yeah. uh, maybe turning in from a doormat to, to what? What can you expect this next year? Well, we just got to mention something about the Browns. I know it's Steelers outpost right here, but the Browns uh, are in aggressive rebuild. It seems like the past few years they had that money ball regime. They had a bunch of baseball analytics guys for anybody who doesn't know come in and run the the front office of the Browns and they traded away or released pretty much all of their good players as evidenced by us getting Joe Hayden at the last minute last year. They and they just stockpiled draft picks. And they stockpiled draft picks all the way to one win in 2 years. They fired those guys in the front office and they got these new guys in here and what's interesting is these new guys are benefiting off of the sacrifice from the old regime because they are wheeling and dealing these draft picks. They've picked up Jarvis Landry, who uh, was franchise tagged by the Miami Dolphins. Now, remember, the franchise tag means he gets paid like a top five player at his position. Jarvis Landry is not that. He's a top 15, top 20 guy, but he is very reliable. Um, he, he always is up at the top of like the catches list. Um, but his average per catch is like 
twenties, thirties, or forties. It's pretty ridiculous. But he's an established guy. They traded for Tyrod Taylor, who's an established quarterback from Buffalo. Obviously, they're going to use him as a bridge, um, which tells me if they want a bridge quarterback, they're probably going to take one of the developmental guys in the draft, like Josh Allen, so they could um, use Tyrod to to swing him there. They also got who else did they get? I'm blanking. I'm totally blanking, but they got somebody else. But regardless, they have the first and fourth pick, so they very well could get Saquon Barkley, the best running back prospect that we've seen probably since Adrian Peterson. And uh, so they've actually kind of stacked up into a lineup that's that's pretty good. They got multiple picks within the first 30, and don't be surprised that if they take advantage of a weak AFC North with the Ravens and the Bengals not getting a ton better, it looks like uh, they're on their way to at least – more than one win this year. <laughs> Super active. They've been kind of the talk of the town the past few days, and they're not done yet. Well, that takes care of the current headlines. Let's move on to the, the big session for uh, this podcast, and that is our draft breakdown. Last week, we talked about inside linebackers. I think we're supposed to drop that vernacular at this point, right? Just linebackers. Right. And we are talking about safety prospects. And I know we you are. have spent a lot of data, a lot of time in your car at work, do they know where yep. you are? Do you, do you clock out? How do you work that? I'm not really at um, in the position to talk about that on the air right now, but there are ways that I sit there However, in a sweltering hot car reviewing tapes of 20-year-olds playing safety. So that benefits our podcast audience. And I know you've gone into extreme detail. We're going to go, we're going to go to high level though. We're not going to spend a ton of time on each one. We're going to give uh, positive attributes, negatives, yes. and our concept or our, our thoughts as to where they might end up in the draft and who the Steelers might want to go after. Let me tell you my overarching theme for what I hope the Steelers do, at least in the first round. Obviously we know we want them to take an inside linebacker or a safety. Mike Mitchell's gone. We already knew they needed a safety before he was gone. Now we really need one. I want them to take Rashawn Evans, the linebacker from Alabama. If they do not get Rashawn Evans, they have to take a safety because I don't really like any of those other linebackers in the first round. And there's maybe two, possibly even three guys that I actually like in the first round. So let me give you my order of safeties that I would like for us to get. We're going to go over five of them. Number one, the golden child, Justin Reed from Stanford. Huge draft riser. Number one pick. It's either him or Rashawn. I will be so happy if we get one of those guys. Number two is Ronnie Harrison, another Alabama guy. They tend to have a couple good football players on their team every year. Number three, Justin Bates from Wake Forest. This guy's a huge riser on my board. We'll talk about him in a second. Number four is Marcus Allen from Penn State. And number five is Deshaun Elliott from UT, Austin, Texas. Actually don't want him, but he is the fifth prospect we'll break down. So number one, let's talk about Justin Reed. Guy murdered the combine, put up great numbers, and he's kind of flying up a lot of draft boards. He covers all of the needs for the Steelers. Like we said, we don't know if we really need a free safety or a strong safety. He can do either one of those roles. He is super fast, and he's very good in coverage, which is nice for a change because we haven't had that in quite some time since a, since a Troy guy was around. Not that I'm comparing him to Troy, but he's got great coverage ability. And he, like, interestingly enough, 
he played mostly in the slot, like covering tight ends and um, slot receivers in college, but his skills translate better to be a center fielder in the NFL. So depending on what they want to do with Sean Davis, this guy can do either one. He is a great communicator, super smart guy. They say he's actually the best coder, computer coder at Stanford, which is really interesting. Now, I don't know if classroom smarts always necessarily translate to NFL smarts, and there's a talk on that for another day, but um, they also the coach also says that he's the best communicator he've ha- he's had in a while. His press conference at the Combine was brilliant, talking a lot about coverages and stuff like that. So he is really a complete prospect. So he and Josh Dobbs get together. Yep. We could have the number one chess team in the NFL. Boom. That's thinking outside the box. Well, that they can do that during um, Take it. Pro Bowl. That can be one of the... I'll say um, I'll, I'll probably speed up with the next couple of guys there. I just want to give you more information on Justin Reed because he's a really shining prospect for us, and a lot of people are starting to mock him to us. So like I said, he's, he's very fast. He's very versatile. He can play up. He can play back. He's a very smart player, and he communicates really well, which is Mike Mitchell's greatest strength was his communication. You're, the, the inside linebacker and the safety are kind of the quarterbacks of the defense, so that kind of stuff is really crucial. He's great at that stuff. I'll say the negatives is he's not really particularly aggressive coming up to make hits in the run game, but he can do it. And like I said, we didn't see him play much center field, but his skills translate to that. And that's kind of what everyone anticipates him to be at the next level. Okay. Yeah. Are you sold? sold the tape. We're going to pick him? I I will. Yeah, I I will choose. uh, I will mock Justin Reed first round. I'm hoping so. A lot of people are. So let's move on to Ronnie Harrison, the guy from Alabama. Basically, all you need to know is he's a guy from Alabama. He's exactly what you think. He's a super athlete because they get a lot of those. He's ripped. He's fast. He's not afraid to hit people. We did see him play a lot of too high, which is cool, or center field, if you will. Um, He has experience doing everything. But he's not quite as good. He's He's just not as dynamic as Justin Reed. He doesn't make as many big plays. He also is like kind of actively not a good tackler. He always goes perfect fit. Yeah, actually, he is a perfect fit for the Steelers, isn't he? In that case, but he doesn't wrap up. He kind of gets run over every once in a while. He comes in like a missile with his giant arms, but uh, they don't always wrap around the guy. So he doesn't take great angles, and he just has a lack of splash plays that Justin Reed has. Um, although I know that kind of sounds like a regular uh, a negative review, but like I said before. He's very athletic. He's not afraid to hit. And he only has like a year and a half experience playing safety. So he's only going to get better, hopefully. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if they took Rodney Harrison. I wouldn't be thrilled if they took him in the first round, though. I I don't think he would last all the way to the Steelers pick in the second round. But, um, you know, I would be very happy to have him on the Steelers as well. All right. We're moving on to... uh... I don't want to steal your thunder, but I do have possession of your list. I believe you're looking at Jesse huh. Bates, Wake Forest product. Yes, Jesse Bates. I actually was very tempted to put him at number two. This is the interception guy of the group. This is the real true center fielder. He's from Wake Forest. He's another one who's rising up draft boards. A lot of people think of him more as a second-round pick um, because he is just not a good tackler. <laughs> he doesn't take good angles in the run game or anything like that. But this guy is fast, and he picks the ball off. He had multiple pick sixes, interceptions, return for touchdown in college. He had a punt return for a touchdown, so he could 
also fill some of that need that we need. And you've seen him play too high a lot against good teams. So you know he could play that center field role. And out of all the people that I watched, he was the biggest playmaker. Now he's fast. He's not he might not be as fast as Justin Reed, but he's he's like I said, he's more I wouldn't you know, poor man's Ed Reed. Think about Troy Polamalu's the type of safety that would come up and make crazy tackles at the line of scrimmage. Of course, he'd make his interceptions too. But whereas Ed Reed was the guy that would lurk in the distance and snatch the ball from the other team, that's more what Jesse Bates does, albeit not at an Ed Reed level. If he lasted to the Steelers in the second round, that would be a dream scenario. But I wouldn't even be furious if they took him in, in, the, in the first because he makes some plays and the Steelers could use that. Okay, then I guess we drop down to our second-tier guys. We do. After. But they come from your neck. The first guy comes from your neck of the woods, right around Indeed. the corner. Yeah, Marcus Allen. Oh, no, we're not. No. You thought I was talking about Deshaun Elliott. No, he's, he's number five. He's Marcus number Elliott. Five. Yeah, those are out of order. That's, my, that's actually my bad. I was just right. seeing oh, how well you could uh, follow can't. the diary of a madman. No, number four is actually Marcus Allen from Penn State. Interestingly enough... He has no relation to the Hall of Fame running back uh, who played for the Raiders, but he does have a relation to the Hall of Fame running back who played for University of Pittsburgh in the New York Jets. He is Curtis Martin's godson. So that's the end of my analysis. How could you not take Curtis Martin's godson? Brilliant. No, this guy is either a second or third round pick. Again, if the Steelers nab their um, inside linebacker in the first round, this guy, I'd be more than happy to get him in a later round. He's the best run defender of the group. So where Jesse Bates is the good pass defender, sits in the back, not great at supporting the run, this guy's really great at stopping the run. He's very aggressive, and out of all the safeties I watch, he's the one who shoots himself out of a cannon, a la Earl Thomas from the Seattle Seahawks in his heyday, and he supports the run. Um, now, And he can kind of match up with tight ends. You know, He's a strong guy, like I said, supporting the run, but uh, the problem with him is... <laughs> He had one interception in his career at Penn State. He's not great with the ball in the air. So they'll if they take him, Sean Davis is moving to center field. But like I said, very aggressive player, and his run stopping is impressive. That's All right, so but, I guess now true. we can bring the reprise to the guy who's in your neck of the woods. That's right, Deshaun Elliott. Fifth to us, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people like him. I think he's more of a second, third round type of guy. He... He has good recognition. He breaks on the ball, but he's more of a, he's a pass defender. He's not great with the run, but he's just not that fast. So I don't think it's really going to translate to the next level. Uh, I put under the positive list for him is that he found a bunch of picks. He kind of found his way in a bunch of interceptions. Uh, he was the only other one I saw with some pick sixes. Um, but he's a bit slow. He's not a great tackler. And under the negatives, I also wrote he found a bunch of picks he didn't take those interceptions as much as they were kind of thrown right to him you know some people have a good year with that you could say what you want he was in position but it you gotta look at what the stat really is whereas we talked with bud dupree we said he had those eight sacks last year but they're kind of empty he never beat his man one-on-one he kind of ran into them that's sort of what Deshaun elliott is i would be kind of bummed if we got this guy but people are talking about him mocking him to the steelers but it is what it is He's got some upside. He's only a one-year starter as well, so he could. He definitely has room to improve, and he's a good athlete. So I don't want. To, I am a glass half-empty guy, so I do go down the 
negative column. And you, our listeners, should check out our website. You'll see this table on the website. And I see not a good tackler, not mm -hmm. a good tackler, slow, not a good tackler, <laughs> not a good tackler. So I think any one of these guys could fit the profile. And the lack of interceptions matches up nicely with uh, Ike Taylor. Maybe we found his his replacement finally. Yeah, but, you know, Justin Reed is the guy who just has the potential to be that full, um, just a complete game. Because he, he wasn't a great tackler, but he's good. He's good at everything. He's more athletic than the other guys. And he just has everything you need. He's not quite like a top 15 safety prospect, but he's another one. He's kind of been a late bloomer. But, man, I would love to get that guy in the first round. I'd be very happy with Justin Reed. And uh, I, I kind of think I might have talked myself into liking Jesse Bates of the third, who was my number three entry, just because he might not be able to tackle, but the Steelers could really use a guy who can make some picks. So that wraps up our analysis of the draft prospects for safety. Um, next week, I think we're going to start on free agents for linebacker and uh, safety. Am I correct? Yeah, and I, maybe I organized this wrong because by that time, we might have already signed our guy. That'll be perfect. We'll be, we'll be absolutely, absolutely perfect in our prognostication. Well, I'd love to give the listeners a little preview of some of the names who we're going to get. And it, it might be too late by that time. We might already have the guy. But just real quick, I'll just give you names. For the inside linebacker, we are really looking at Anthony Hitchens from Dallas. Um, Todd Davis from Denver, three stars next to that guy. If we could get Todd Davis from Denver or Nigel Bradham for the Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles, um, they might be a little bit of reach. They're going to have some competition, but those guys are young and versatile and they'd be multi-year starters. So keep your fingers crossed for Nigel Bradham, Todd Davis, and then Anthony Hitchens is kind of a, um, a long shot type of guy. Don't hold your breath on Lawrence Timmons. Okay, before we get out of here, I wanted to, to note a story that came out on Pro Football Focus today. They did their offensive line rankings. And surprisingly, the Steelers came out in their rankings as number 12. Hmm. They ranked seventh in terms of pressures surrendered with, surrendered with 151. So I need to read a little bit more to see why they dropped to 12. But the narrative said that Alejandro Villanueva didn't take the step forward they anticipated after a good 2016 season. Mm -hmm. uh, but they did highlight David DeCastro. He is the second-ranked uh, guard in the NFL. He didn't allow a sack this year. So for whatever That's very worth, accurate. No, that focus. is accurate. Villanueva really struggled particularly in the first half of the season. I don't know if you guys remember listening to the show or people have been listening for a while. We Every week he gave up a bad sack in the fourth quarter, it sort of seemed like. and But then he steadied the ship later on. Obviously, David DeCastro had a brilliant season. I do think 12 is too low. Listen, they did not block the run as well this year. And I don't know if that was them. I don't know if it was people catching on to the scheme. Todd Haley obviously had some difficulties when he just stubbornly would run to areas that teams were good at defending. But I think 12 is is ridiculously low. For the way that they protect Ben Roethlisberger, I think the Steelers were still top three in you know, sacks allowed. Um they're much better than 12, but I do hope to see an improvement in the run game this next year. So anytime I get on pro football focus, I go down the rabbit hole, started looking at some other stories, and I couldn't resist but look at their mock. They've had three mocks so far, mm. and the first one was laughable. For the first two mocks, they, they drafted Dallas Goddard of South Dakota State for our tight end. 
They hung on to that narrative for two two mock drafts. Just don't even this watch week, the they're Steelers. choosing uh, Josh Allen for us. Yeah. Okay. The, and then we, it, then the I Steelers just, are not drafting a quarterback. Let me get this through everybody's head. It's not happening. I, so it's then, like these people don't even pay attention to the team. And so I, to, to just get a reality check, I went to one of our favorite guys' website, John Ledger. At least John, John has picked two different players in his second and third mocks. At least he's staying consistent with linebackers from either Texas or Alabama. Rashawn Evans, whom I think you are yes. high on, right? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely share that. Alex Kazora, also another good one. He's from Steelers Depot. I think he did Justin Reed in the last one. So, like I said, a lot of those are kind of two popular picks for the Steelers right now. Um, those are much more accurate than, I mean, if they drafted a tight end, first off, it would be crazy. I wouldn't be 100% against it, but that's only if none of our guys were available. But it's not going to be Dallas Godet or Goddard or whatever the heck his name is. It would either be Gasecki or um, the dude from South Carolina. But that, that's not going to happen either. So I just watch the Steelers maybe. I mean, th- Ben already said he's playing for at least one to three more years. Steelers Super Bowl window is open right now. Everybody, real quick, actually, by the end, just regarding the Steelers Super Bowl window, the NFC is absolutely exploding with talent right now. All of the best teams in the NFC are getting better. The Super Bowl champion Eagles had the best defensive line in the league by a mile last year, and they just added Michael Bennett from the Seattle Seahawks, who is not in his prime anymore, but he's still a top 15 defensive lineman for sure. He's amazing. The Saints are rumored to get Jimmy Graham back, which would send them into glory town. And Kirk Cousins is most likely going to the Vikings. They were already fantastic. So the NFC is just a vicious pack of rabid dogs fighting over a bone. And the AFC will be better than it was last year because it just can't be that bad. But man, it's open for the taking. And the Steelers are not going to waste a pick on a, on a quarterback for the future. They're taking people who can help and start right now inside linebacker safety. So Next week's podcast promises to be interesting. There should be a ton of activity between now and then, and you're going to hear it here at the Steelers Outpost. In between now and then, hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the blog at SteelersOutpost.com or just shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. I want to thank everybody for joining us, and we hope to talk to you again next week. Please drop us a line. Okay, bye-bye. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.